Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello. Welcome to Destination Disaster. I am your host, Devin Carney. Before we jump into today's inaugural episode, I want to give you some background information on myself and why I decided to create this podcast. First, I'm sure you've already gathered that my name is Devin. I currently live here in coastal Virginia and work in the consumer goods industry. However, my true passion lies within the field of emergency management. Growing up here in the coast of Virginia, you quickly learned that you were truly at the mercy of Mother Nature. Having experienced my first hurricane at the age of six, my mind has always drifted towards preparedness. There is a true need for a podcast that explores the potential future impacts that may plague the world. Global warming is going to significantly shape how we view both man-made and natural disasters in the not-so-distant future. I'm going to be that podcast. Each week, we will look at different areas of the country and hazards that threaten those areas. Only on this show, we're going to turn that up to a level 10. We will look at true worst-case scenarios and learn how we could mitigate against those impacts. My goal is to increase outreach to those who may not know much about the geographic area that they live in and give them a better idea on how to prepare for those worst-case impacts. Since we'll be looking at worst-case scenarios, let's use Coastal Virginia for today's example. Currently, nearly 2 million people call the Hampton Roads metropolitan area home. For those of you unfamiliar with the area, the Hampton Roads metro area includes the cities of Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Suffolk, Newport News, Hampton, and Chesapeake. Within this geographic area, these cities include over 840 square miles of waterways, making this a prime target for major hurricanes to impact the region. It's pretty coincidental how I'm recording this episode right at the peak of hurricane season here on the East Coast. Everybody that lives here knows just how capable Mother Nature is of bringing destructive storms, but I don't think this region is at all prepared for what a Category 3 storm or higher could bring in terms of destructive winds, surges, and rainfall. For today's storm example, we will be using Hurricane Isabel and what would have happened had she maintained her Category 5 status while making landfall. Isabel was a monster in her own right back in the late summer of September 2003. The storm managed to weaken and regain Category 5 strength three separate times, something that is virtually unheard of when researching this topic. Hurricane Isabel formed as a strong tropical wave off the coast of Africa on September 6, 2003. By the next day, she had gained hurricane status. Within one single day, Hurricane Isabel strengthened from a weak hurricane into a monster Category 4 storm. By September the 11th, she had gained Category 5 status and maintained that intensity until the 14th. On September 16th, Hurricane Isabel made landfall near Drum Inlet, North Carolina. Damage was heaviest in Dare County, North Carolina, where winds and floods damaged thousands of homes 
and left nearly 700,000 residents without power. 2003 damage totals were estimated to be around $450 million, or $667 million in 2021. As Isabel continued her track northwestward, her ferocity was felt statewide. Winds drove storm surges into the Hampton Roads region anywhere between 4 to 6 feet and nearly 9 feet on the James River in Richmond. With floodwaters continuing to rise, tunnel personnel raced against the clock to deploy flood barriers that would prevent the flow of water into the tubes. One harrowing story from this impact comes from the Midtown Tunnel, one of the area's oldest tunnels that carries traffic from Portsmouth and to Norfolk. Personnel here raced against time to deploy the flood barriers, only for floodwaters to quickly inundate and fill the tunnel with over 44 million gallons of water and leaving the team to barely escape with their lives. Isabel's impact was felt the worst throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, with over 1,000 homes destroyed and damages totaling over $1.85 billion. Additionally, as a result of Hurricane Isabel's impact here in the Commonwealth, 32 deaths would be reported. We'll be back right after this quick break to discuss a theoretical Category 5 impact on the Hampton Roads region. Welcome back. Now, before we move on to the theoretical impact portion of this podcast, please be reminded that an impact of this magnitude has never occurred. Therefore, all content following this message is my opinion and should be taken as such. Storm surge remains one of Hampton Roads' largest threats when talking about a hurricane impact. When reviewing data from ArcGIS in relation to storm surge inundation, the data available only records up to a Category 4 impact in the region. An impact of this magnitude would completely decimate the Hampton Roads region, similar to how Hurricane Katrina's storm surge affected New Orleans. It's safe to say that even with a Category 4 impact, much of this region would be absolutely decimated. Storm surge records indicate that an average storm surge of greater than 9 feet on the coastlines and between 3 to 6 feet inland would occur for a storm of this magnitude. For those who would choose to ride out a storm like this, this will be a fight for their lives. The effects of flooding from this storm could happen well before landfall. Rain from the outer bands of this strong storm would saturate the water table and quickly overwhelm drainage infrastructure before the main storm. Once this water has nowhere to go, it will rise and quickly infiltrate homes and businesses. With floodwaters quickly rising, you rush to get to higher ground. But there is none. Your home is quickly filling and you didn't heed the warnings of emergency personnel to stash an emergency axe in your attic. Flooding is one of the major killers in any size hurricane, let alone a major one. With the surges rushing inland, you can quickly be swept away. Debris under the water could hit you and knock you unconscious. The list of risks associated with flooding are endless. Please don't swim in these waters as they can contain raw sewage from the inundated sewage lines. Also, if you don't have bottled water, please be sure to either boil, treat, or filter your water to ensure that you are not consuming the harmful bacteria that are associated with flooding. When boiling, bring to a rolling boil for one minute, and this will kill any harmful bacteria that may be present. Winds for a major category hurricane between a 3 and a 5 range anywhere from 111 miles per hour to 157 miles per hour. Structures that are not built to withstand these storms, such as the construction that you will find in most of Hampton Roads, will sustain catastrophic damage. Those trapped within these structures will find themselves fighting against a relentless wind tunnel that doesn't want to seem to turn off. As tropical storm force winds begin to be reported within the city, 
Many of the emergency personnel that we rely on for our safety will not respond until after a storm. As the hurricane nears landfall, the tropical storm force winds extend out into surrounding areas, making way for hurricane force winds capable of toppling trees, power lines, and homes. Debris from the storm can isolate you from the rest of your community. What is now known as a common everyday luxury that we have come to expect is now gone. The food in your fridge and freezer is quickly spoiling and the medicine you need is quickly warming. The power has gone out well ahead of the storm even making landfall. Much of the United States' power grid has passed its expected life expectancy of 50 years, meaning this remains a prime target for hurricanes. Power outages during a major hurricane of this magnitude are expected to last weeks due to the sheer amount of flooding and wind damage that has occurred. While utility crews are staged outside of the storm's projected path, they cannot safely deploy until conditions improve. We are now moving into the landfall portion of the hurricane. Every item that we spoke of prior to this was prior to the hurricane even making landfall on the coast. Winds begin to hammer your home or shelter for hours on end. Trees begin to fall around you, and even one comes into contact with your roof. The ocean that you have longed to live across the street from is now knocking on your front door, asking for a cold beer. You know the door won't hold, and you begin to punch yourself for not having prepared enough ahead of this storm. Instead of running into your local grocery store, you tried ordering supplies online only to be told that delivery drivers would not be available into your area until after conditions improve. The generator that your family gave you for Christmas five years ago hasn't been tested, and the oil has dried in the motor, making it an extremely expensive paperweight. Floodwaters begin to spill in around your front door and windows on the first floor of your home. You quickly rush upstairs not knowing what the night will be like. You scream at yourself in the mirror because you were too complacent to heed the mandatory evacuation orders from the local emergency manager because your landlord told you that the building was rated for hurricanes. That was obviously a lie. You managed to secure a flashlight and raincoat as you rushed upstairs. The tree that crashed through your roof has turned your home into a treehouse. As you look downstairs, the floodwaters have stopped flowing for now, and you can breathe a sigh of relief that you were at least safe for this moment. Outside is a different story. 145 mile per hour wind gusts are eating away at your roof and exterior wall that your landlord neglected to have inspected even after you reported water damage from a previous rainstorm earlier in the summer. You close yourself in your bathroom and hunker down for the rest of the night. When we return from this quick break, we're going to jump into the hub where all the action is occurring, the Emergency Operations Center. Welcome back. Prior to the break, I told you that I was going to take us into the hub where all of the action is occurring, the Emergency Operations Center. Let's jump there right now. Personnel from all departments, to include a female liaison, are witnessing the catastrophic impact from all angles. The utility director begins to report thousands of power outages as their 145 mile per hour gusts begin to quickly move throughout the city. The city's medical director is constantly checking in on the status of local area hospitals to ensure they are still operational and that emergency power has been activated. The emergency manager is relaying all information of the current status of the storm to state personnel in the room who will ultimately be responsible for requesting federal aid following the storm. Power in the room flickers as emergency generators kick on to ensure continuity. The Emergency Operations Center is the central command and control center during times of crisis. The EOC does not directly instruct field personnel during these times, 
instead leaving decisions to lower command staff that are staged and deployed into the field. The Emergency Operations Center function is to gather data and information and make strategic decisions that will ultimately protect the life and property of the citizens. Many believe that once a storm has passed, everything simply returns to normal. Unfortunately, that is not the case at all. Instead, this is when the true work begins and the battle for survival continues. At this point, search and rescue personnel will begin to deploy into the affected areas to begin their initial damage assessments while searching for survivors. During this period, electricity will continue to be down and you will be unable to call your family and let them know that you've made it safely through the storm. Additionally, those who may have experienced a health crisis during the hurricane's initial impact will begin to receive emergency aid once first responders can make it to them. For others, it may be too late. As you wake up, you realize the sun has begun shining. A glimmer of hope, some would say. Climb the tree onto the roof only to realize that you are one of the lucky ones whose homes has managed to avoid the brunt of the impact. Your home is one of only three left standing in the neighborhood. In the distance, you hear the emergency sirens and whooshing sound of helicopter blades coming to the rescue for those who were unable to save themselves. While the last half of this podcast may be fictional, a storm of this magnitude can and will happen. It is only a matter of time. This region has experienced significant population expansion since a storm of any significance has made a direct impact in this region. I truly do not believe that we are ready for a storm like this. The infrastructure city governments have in place is not equipped to deal with catastrophic storm surges that would occur. Businesses, homes, and most importantly, lives will be lost in a storm of this size. I believe that Hampton Roads will be a second New Orleans post-Katrina, if enough preparations are not done now. I urge city leaders to develop plans that account for this aging infrastructure and to prepare those most vulnerable for any inevitabilities. As seen with Hurricane Isabel's impact, it only took a Category 1 storm to flood much of the Hampton Roads region. Just imagine what a storm the size of Katrina, or even what we are witnessing with Ida currently, could do to this area. Now that we have researched the theoretical impact of a storm of this magnitude impacting, let's take a look at some hurricane survival tips that will make you better prepared for any storm. If you are in the path of a storm that you are unable to evacuate from, Take these tips to better prepare yourselves to ensure that your family is prepared for any scenario. Water. This is one of the most vital items that you need to have in your survival kit. It is safe to assume that you will need at least one gallon of water per person per day for up to 10 days. Non-perishable or canned foods, similar, up to 10 days worth. A manual can opener. Prescription medications. Items for those who have special needs such as infants and those with disabilities and pet care items. Cat litter makes a great emergency bathroom should running water not be available. Following the storm, please avoid swimming or drinking the floodwaters as these waters can contain bacteria and harmful chemicals that may have leaked from factories. Additionally, dead bodies can contaminate this water as well. Please avoid down power lines. While the power may be out, it's quite possible that some lines could spark and electrocute you. Now I know that I would certainly not want to make it through a major hurricane only for me to be taken out by electrocution. As you survey the damage around your home, please be sure to not light any candles as these could spark and ignite fumes that could be leaking from ruptured gas lines on your property. Please be sure to report any potential leaks immediately to your local gas companies and do not try and remedy the situation on your own. The tips that I've provided here aren't hurricane specific. Each of these tips and survival items can be implemented into your survival kit and plan for other natural or man-made disasters. 
Remember, it is better to be overprepared than not prepared at all. Disasters do not discriminate and will decimate your life in an instant. Surviving the impact of a disaster requires self-preservation. As we reach the end of this episode, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I urge you to subscribe and tune in weekly for new content. This podcast will continue to evolve as I learn, and I want nothing more than to share my knowledge and thoughts with you. While these may be theoretical impacts, there is a sense of realism behind them. Each of these disasters can happen, and while they may only happen once every 100 or 1,000 years, we can each prepare better for that eventuality. I'm going to leave you with a quote from one of my all-time favorite authors, Stephen King. There is no harm in hoping for the best when you are prepared for the worst. This is absolutely true and is something each of us should live by. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Destination Disaster. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.